President Biden has signed an executive order aiming to protect abortion rights. In a speech Friday, he criticized the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and called on Congress to codify Roe into law. And let me be clear, while I wish it had not come to this, this is the fastest route available. I'm just stating a basic fundamental notion. The fastest way to restore Roe Ro, is to pass a national law codifying Roe. Biden says he would sign that bill immediately. But that scenario is unlikely given Republican opposition in the Senate. With me to break down the executive order is Lee Hasselbacker, director of the University of Chicago's Center for Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Innovation in Sexual and Reproductive Health. The center is also known as CI3. Welcome to Reset, Lee. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Also joining us is Bridget Leahy, Vice President of Public Policy at Planned Parenthood Illinois Action. Hi, Bridget. Hello. Thanks for having me. All right, Lee, break it down for us. What does the executive order say? Sure. Well, it has a lot of components to it, and they talk through different things that they want the government to take action on. Um, They talk about trying to protect access to medication abortion, ensuring emergency medical care, um, protecting access to contraception, um, but I think what's important to also think about is a lot of these things are just directing agencies to t- take a look at what they can do, think about, you know, putting together a task force to kind of address these questions. There's not a lot of clear um, action outlined other than sort of directing different agencies to take some, um, okay. to do some evaluations. Yeah. Does it say what it aims to do? Any sense of that? Yeah, I think there's an intent to protect access to misopristone in particular. So thinking about the uh, access to medication abortion piece, they're hoping, I think, to um, protect some access to misopristone, which is a drug that's um, regulated by the FDA, has been you know, demonstrated as safe and effective. So I think they're hoping that through some sort of, um, through the federal regulations around FDA um, regulation of misopristone, that there can be some access protected. Yeah. Bridget, what are your big takeaways here? My big takeaway is that the Biden administration is really trying to do its best to ensure that there's access to abortion. But I think that President Biden said it best, which is that his powers are limited. He cannot undo what the Supreme Court has done. And that the best way to make sure that everyone's right to a safe and legal abortion in this country is protected is for Congress to pass a law that codifies the provisions of Roe v. Wade. Short of that, he is taking steps to bring together all the various agencies in the federal government to make sure that people have access, as as Lee said, to emergency contraception, birth control, medication, abortion, as well as Um, making a public health awareness campaign to combat misinformation, provide accurate information, and to protect patients' um, privacy so that their health information is is kept private. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's talk a bit more, Lee, about what this means for medication abortion, because uh, the order basically Mm -hmm. changes what it means to possess abortion medications, but not repercussions for taking them. Is that right? Yeah, sort of. I, I see they're they're trying to. I think through um, you know, there's been some legal theories advanced that through you know preemption to the federal government that if a drug is regulated as safe and effective and it should be available to you know any patient across the country. Um, so I think what they're they're hoping to do and maybe setting up the stage to do is 
um, bring some legal challenges against states that have banned medication abortion or that have banned early abortion um, to say that, you know, no, patients still should have access to this drug, mifepristone and misoprostol. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you point out there are still bans on abortion. So it's unclear how that's really going to play out. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can have the drug, but you can't use it for abortion. Yeah. How about crossing state lines? And how would states even prosecute for that to begin with? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's something that we've talked through even at the University of Chicago where our clinicians are thinking through these questions too. Um, I think what, what comes up, and I'm sure Bridget can speak to this too, is with, with mifepristone, it's usually uh, sort of a several-day process where you take the first drug the first day and then 24 to 48 hours later, you take the second drug. And usually what happens is patients come in, they take that first drug, um, and then they go home. And when they're you know in their home where they are feeling comfortable and they are ready to take the second drug and complete the process, they do so. And I think right now what a lot of providers are concerned about is what if patients are coming across state lines, you know, seeking care in Illinois, getting that first set of drugs, but then take their, their second set and go back to their home state where they might now be in jeopardy of, um, you know, going mm-hmm. against either the bans on abortion care or implicating the providers who supported them. Bridget, talk more about this. What can the order do about crossing state lines? I think it can clarify to a certain degree or, or, or work on clarifying. The order itself doesn't clarify, but it's requesting the government agencies to clarify. One of the things that would be really helpful for providers and patients is to clarify that if you initiate medication abortion in a particular state where abortion is legal, if you continue taking the drug regimen, and um, you and you complete your abortion in another state, that is not c- providing the abortion in that other state, right? It, it really should rest on where the abortion was initiated, where medication abortion was initiated, mm-hmm. so that we don't have this um, quandary about where a patient is, um, depend, you know, will affect whether or not um, the patient could be punished or the provider could be punished. Um, And so to clarify would be really helpful. And the federal government with the FDA regulating this drug could, you know, initiate clarification on that. I think we still might see some states pushing back on that, and there may be litigation around it. Mm-hmm. But that's really what we would seek. Because once you start this drug met- regimen, you really should complete it. So what we don't want is a patient to take the first medication and then not finish the process. Um, so uh, that, would, that would be harmful. And, and I think that, that patients are fearful a lot of providers are fearful, and part of the fear is just the unknown. Yeah. And if we had clarity, that would really help folks. So you, you see this changing anything for folks that Planned Parenthood serves, who, who come from out of state? I think that, that you know, the, the moment of the executive order did not instantly change something. But I think that the, the various agencies will be working in the coming weeks, and we will see the results of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like instantly all of these things are happening. But I think that one of the the things that is helpful is to have this interagency task force on reproductive health access so that federal government agencies are talking to each other and they are coming up with a coordinated plan 
around this issue instead of each of each agency kind of going it alone and not knowing what the other is doing. Mm -hmm. That way they can prioritize certain things, they can work together, and it, it will create a a smoother process for getting the work done. Uh, and the other thing that I think will be really helpful is the public awareness initiative to get information out to the public, because that's something we're seeing from patients. They're calling, they're very anxious, they don't know what the law is in their state, they don't know what the law is in Illinois, um, they're afraid that they might get prosecuted, um, all of these kinds of things. Yeah. And a lot of what we're doing is providing basic information to them, clarifying things, getting rid of, you know, dispelling a lot of confusion and myths out there. And so having a national campaign to do that um, would be very, very helpful. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking about President Biden's executive order to protect abortion rights with Bridget Leahy from Planned Parenthood Illinois Action and Lee Hasselbacker from the University of Chicago. Uh, Lee, what's missing from this order to you? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's been a number of proposals for what the executive office could do. And I think, um, you know, some ranging from asking um, the president to open up federal lands for abortion care to declaring a public health emergency, which could maybe free up additional funding or allow for, for example, providers to um, prescribe across state lines, sort of how we did in, during the COVID pandemic, um, sort of allowing for just looser regulations around um you know, providers who maybe not be licensed in one state, providing care in that state, things like that. So I think there are, are, are still some creative options out there that advocates are um, asking them to consider and mm -hmm. to go forward, as Bridget said. So I think, um, yeah, it'll be. Uh, hopefully, there'll be additional follow-up from um, yeah from what Bridget outlined. Uh, Bridget Bloomberg reported last week that uh, the White House considered declaring a public health emergency, but then didn't. What do you think about that? So we really are in a national health crisis at the moment, and the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe has already had a disastrous effect on abortion access, and it's being felt acutely in states that have already banned abortion. So we need everyone at every level of government to come together and protect access, and that means the federal government, state governments, Etc. And one of the things that the Biden administration could do, and we would like them to do, is declare a public health emergency so that all of the emergency and disaster authorities and, and the tools and resources there could be brought to bear on this crisis. Um, and so it really is an emergency and it deserves an, the appropriate response. Lee, you have uh, you've researched the impact of Illinois legislation requiring Medicaid coverage for abortions. Talk a bit about that. Yeah, and I think it serves as a, a great example. So um, Illinois has done such a great job of protecting access and passing laws that really create um, pathways for patients to seek care. And so in the last year or so, we've been interviewing patients who sought abortion care in Illinois about their experiences using their Medicaid and other insurance and, you know, what we're hearing is, you know, there certainly are bumps in the implementation, but at the same time, so many patients have been relieved to learn that their care was covered. Um, you know, it relieves the stress of having to come up with costs that they might not have been, you know, unsurmountable. Um, and also that providers have been reimbursed appropriately in such a way that they can see these patients and take them on. And it's 
really sort of set as an example of what it could look like um, mm-hmm. if the federal government also expanded Medicaid coverage for abortion, which they would have to do through Congress. But um, it, I think it sets a great example of what care could look like, just like any other health care. So what's the path forward here, Lee? Is it really to vote in November, like Biden says? <laughs> I mean, I think that's definitely something that, you know, we need a greater majority in Congress in order to do something like repeal the Hyde Amendment or codify access to abortion. So those are certainly very, very important. But I think there are a lot of other things that can be done in the meantime to help coordinate, to help put pressure um, in places where, you know, we're just going to need support for increased capacity in places like Illinois and places like California where abortion will remain legal. And then we just need um, a lot of support for patients traveling there for, you know, again, thinking about the laws that are going to impact care and how um, patients and providers can be protected. That was Lee Hasselbacker from CI3 at the University of Chicago and Bridget Leahy from Planned Parenthood Illinois Action. Thank you both. All right, now let's talk to someone working on the ground to get patients across state lines for abortion care. Diana Parker-Kafka is the executive director of Midwest Access Coalition. That's an organization that helps people travel within the Midwest to access abortion care. Welcome to Reset, Diana. Hi, thank you for having me. You've been listening along to the conversation. I wonder what's on your mind right now. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with both Lee and Bridget about this executive order. My reaction to it was, you know, it's something. It's not close to what we need. It's not an aggressive defense of bodily bodily autonomy by any means. And it's pretty late because, as Bridget said, the benefits will likely be delayed because it will be fought by states where the Christian right has stolen legislative power, particularly from Black and brown communities who are most impacted by the dismantling of reproductive health care laws and services. And those are the people that make up the majority of folks that we support. Talk more about what's changed for you and and your teams in the past two weeks. (laughs) Well, you know, we're a practical support organization, which means we provide all the funding and planning of someone's trip when they have to travel um, short or long distance care for uh, abortion. Um, That includes hotel, host accommodations, bus, train, plane tickets, childcare, and all of those needs, uh, you know, have skyrocketed instantly after the decision came down. Our call volume quadrupled. People are flying hundreds of miles for one day procedures and medicated medicated abortions. Mm -hmm. So the negative impact was absolutely immediate. And abortion funds and practical support organizations like MAX are really, you know, struggling to keep up with the need now. Yeah. And and just to be clear, so you're saying you're seeing this increased need, uh, most notably from the black and brown community? Yes. The majority of, you know, our, uh, the people that we support, and I think this is true for abortion funds across the board, is the vast majority are folks that are black and brown and um, low or no income. What does this executive order mean for the work that you do? And what do you think is missing exactly, Diana? Um, Well, this, you know, like Bridget said, it doesn't really immediately affect what we do. We are based in Illinois, fortunately. And so we are continuing to provide support for people traveling to Illinois. um, And that has been historically for Max, people from 30 different states. We have partners 
in Texas and Missouri and Tennessee and many red states who are, you know, pause, have, have to pause services because they're being threatened by their legislators for providing support for people who reach out to them. And so that has also made it really difficult for funds in receiving states or haven states because their load has now just exponentially increased because folks in their own states that they're coming from are not are being restricted and are unable to support them for the time being. Yeah. Let's talk more about that. This in the in an immediate sense, how does it directly impact your patients? Um, well, we could take SB8 as an example. Um, that has that restricted abortion care to before six weeks. Um, and so the vast majority, I think it's over, you know, 85% of people could no longer get care within their own communities in Texas. And they had to start driving 12 hours to Kansas, to Oklahoma, flying to Illinois for care that they should have been able to get um, near them. And so the impact has been incredibly harmful. Um, most of the people that we support are parenting. And so they have to really figure out how they're going to get this medical care while taking care of their families. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where abortion funds and practical support organizations can step in if they're allowed to in their state. If they're allowed to. Yeah, that is, that is the key, right? Yeah. Well, Diana, what else do you want to see specifically from the federal government and, and the state government? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think with the executive order, there's still no, the laws that are in effect or um, are sort of on the books regarding medical emergencies, I think we would like to see a strengthening of what is considered a medical emergency. Um, the the Christian right want these exceptions like for rape, incest, harm to the pregnant person to be really vague. So judges are scared to back these in court. So doctors are also confused about what they can do safely for their patients. And so patients aren't confused about their options. Um, and then they end up not pursuing life-saving care. We, for instance, have flown people already who have ectopic pregnancies and they can't get care in their states because it's the legal, the legal risk to doctors is really gray right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, we have states like Missouri who want to outright ban abortions for ectopic pregnancies because they just don't care about actual science or pregnant people dying. So I think the federal government can do a lot more in strengthening what it means to provide life-saving care for people who are pregnant and no longer want or can be. What are you going to be watching for in the coming months? I think um, I'll be looking for what the health department comes up with in their report in about a month for um, what they can do to protect people who self-manage their abortions, what the administration is going to instruct the DOJ, for instance, um, in enforcing, you know, the, the, the prescribing of mifepristone um, to people in banned states and what kind of enforcement we're going to see on on our side regarding bodily autonomy. 
Diana Parker Kafka is the executive director of Midwest Access Coalition. Thank you, Diana. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.